Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. Let me start with a story because it sets up the stage for the topic I want to discuss. Not so long ago, my daughter started experiencing significant redness in her eyes. She started complaining of pain and discomfort and difficulty focusing on objects. At that point, there were many possibilities that went through my head, including the ones that made me really scared. I felt like this shouldn't be happening. Her dad and older brother have both worn glasses from a young age. So I said to myself, well, there she goes, not a surprise. She's most likely going to need corrective glasses as well. But I'd never pictured my young girl wearing glasses. On top of that, my brain offered me worse outcomes as our brain often does as a mother. (laughs) It was upsetting to me thinking about all of the horrible possibilities that could potentially cause this. My brain was in hyperdrive thinking of the worst case scenario. What I didn't realize was that I wasn't giving myself permission to feel the uncomfortable emotion of fear. Fear that she'd have to wear glasses, or worse, that something horrible was going on. I mean, as humans, our brains go to the worst-case scenario anyways, but as mothers, we're particularly good at that. (laughs) With training, it gets better, though. A lot better. So after a few days of the same complaints, while I was waiting to see an eye doctor, I tried different things, like sleeping more, avoiding screens. Eventually, it turned out it was nothing wrong. Her eyesight was not affected, and she did not need corrective glasses. Alhamdulillah. Relieved, but also confused because even after several days, she was still complaining of the same thing. Then something magical happened. I gave myself permission to be uncomfortable. I made space for it, allowed it, and held it with curiosity. Not long after that, I realized there are a lot of possibilities, including the aha moment when I realized that even though I had eliminated screen time from home, she was still getting screen time in school, which was out of my control. Unregulated screen time, I've been told, is the most common cause of these symptoms because of dryness. Screen time decreases the blinking reflex, which directly cause eyes to be dry. After that, I was quick to decide to give her blue light glasses every time she's in front of the screen, for whatever reason, learning or entertainment, and I got her lubricant eye drops. With these types of measures in place, we were able to solve the problem quicker than I had expected. Alhamdulillah. The point I'm trying to make with this story is that the longer you don't allow the discomfort, the longer you will delay finding the answer. So today's podcast is all about permission to feel. Well, now my children are using blue light glasses whenever they're in front of the screen. It's almost reflexive to them. Now it's become a habit. But again, I could not have come up with a solution because I was spinning in fear. Once I gave myself permission to feel the fear, I realized it was coming from an inflated thought in my brain that something horrible was happening. The problem itself wasn't big. After that, I was able to actually show up as a mother, which is what most of us want. So today's topic, Permission to Feel, is heavily inspired by Dr. Mark Brackett's book, which is aptly titled Permission to Feel. (laughs) So consider these common scenarios like, I feel anxious about my children. I feel disappointed that it's raining when I had planned a picnic. I feel afraid for our future because I can't find work. Permission to feel means that you label what you're feeling and you experience the related sensations. 
most of us did not get permission to feel well growing up. And that's because our caregivers were never taught this skill. A client I once coached came in extremely agitated at her kids for leaving toys on the floor all the time. We discovered that all she was doing with these types of thoughts is that she was creating more frustration around her kids, and she hated feeling that way. While we talked through the session, we discovered that she came in blaming her kids for not listening, when really she was actually blaming herself for not being a good mother. Being mad at the kids for not picking up their toys, when the underlying belief was that she failed as a mother to teach them how to clean up after themselves. This was straining her relationship with her kids, and at this discovery, she started bawling crying. It seemed to her that the conclusion she came to was the ultimate truth, like I'm a bad mother is a provable reality of the world. Breaking news, you guys, I'm a bad mother is just another thought, and all I did was tell her that this belief also is optional. Great news is that we discovered that this is just a thought, all optional. She was creating frustration because she was not giving herself permission to feel defeated as a mother. So a lot of times we are avoiding this work because we are afraid we're going to unearth some horrible truth about ourselves. When in reality, that horrible truth is just another well-practiced thought, which we can totally decide not to think if we directed our mind. So imagine how liberating that is. She was living her life in frustration at her children because she was accidentally believing she was a bad mother. All optional. All discoverable thoughts. And also, I want to point out here is that I left her with that cognitive dissonance. I left her brain to contemplate how much she wants to continue to believe that she is a bad mother and how much evidence she can find in her life that she's actually a great mother. I mean, I personally think she's an excellent mother. She sought out coaching to help improve her relationship with her child. What an incredible mother. Because this type of self-improvement is fierce. It seems dangerous and the brain does not want to do it. And this mother put all of that chatter aside long enough to expose herself to a complete stranger on the other side of the computer. She knew at some level that at the other side of this difficult work lies a beautiful relationship with her son. That to me is a truly dedicated mother. Although, I want her to come up with that conclusion herself. <laughs> because when she opens herself up to the possibility that her being a bad mother is a thought and allows that discomfort, she might be able to find evidence to the contrary. And when she does find that evidence, it's going to be much more impactful and longer lasting. Compared to if I cooked up a thought and handed it to her. She would probably be like, uh, really, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> She would put it aside and forget about it in a few days. The real power of coaching is that I show you your brain, and after that, you get to create your life with the correct belief system that you choose. The reason I tell you these stories is because there is no right or wrong way to do this. People who practice and teach this also are still learning from themselves and from others. Point is to continue to give yourself permission to feel and continue to improve. Most people avoid labeling an emotion because they're afraid what they're going to do with that information once they find out. But you, my friend, are not like most people. <laughs> you know every emotion comes from a thought. And emotions are harmless. Most of the time you can just identify a thought and let it go. But even if you can't, you know at some level that all thoughts are optional. 
So you can actually close the loop on continuously manufacturing an uncomfortable emotion if you wanted to. By the time this podcast comes out, we will be celebrating Eid, inshallah. This read gives others permission to feel. Let them know it's not just okay, but it is welcomed. Because when I share these stories with you guys, I know you've experienced some version of it in your life. But what I also want you to take away from this is that allowing for somebody else's emotion does not mean you're in control of them. Only they are in control of their feelings through their thinking. Even if it's a three-year-old, when our children experience difficult emotions, we get so uncomfortable that we immediately try to fix it. Allowing and permitting their emotion does not mean that we attempt to fix it. Giving them permission to feel their emotions means that you permit yourself to feel the discomfort first. And you'll surely feel uncomfortable because your loved one here is going through a hardship. It could be your husband, your friend, a colleague. Give them permission to feel by holding space. Non-judgmental. Without attempting to fix it. Without giving advice. <laughs> the refraining from advice part is usually the most difficult because we reflexively want to fix things. We want to impart our wisdom on them and tell them what to do and what not to do. They're not looking for that. They're looking for somebody to let them feel their emotions because chances are they're not giving themselves that permission. If you're looking for closeness in any relationship, allow emotions, yours and theirs, without reacting to them. This is a type of generosity, a service, that is of great value. This is what our higher selves always want to do. The sage, the wiser self inside of us, wants us to naturally give to others. And this is what people are truly seeking, a safe space. The opposite of this highest self is the primal self. That's the one that is reactive to the uncomfortable emotions, constantly judging it for being there, and constantly reacting to it. True generosity as you celebrate this holiday of Eid is giving others permission to feel and hold that space. As an exercise to practice this, imagine someone you love dearly in your life. Your husband, your children, your parents, a sibling, or if you can't think of anyone you're related to, imagine somebody that inspires you. A celebrity, a scholar, a historical figure, anyone you hold in high regard. Take that one person and imagine what it would look like to allow them to feel. That person might be your friend who says, I am so upset that my husband is always staring at his screen treating me like I don't even exist. You can see she's crying, she's hurt. You want to fix this for her. Seeing her like this makes you uncomfortable. Seeing her like this makes you sad. But what if instead you told her, it's okay to be upset? Or let's say your child comes home angry from school because the playground bully just won't leave him alone. Your mama bare self wants to march into the kid's mother's face and tell her what's up. <laughs> but before you did that, what if you told your son it's okay to be angry? Apply this to adult male figures in your life. Try and hold space for them that they become kind of confused. <laughs> Men are usually not taught to deal with their emotions. Through cultural conditioning, they usually only express anger or rage or something that is a high-energy emotion because it involves a lot of outward action. And that is pretty common. And I know there are men that are exception to this role. But very commonly, women are having to deal with an outburst in men. What would it look like if you just gave him permission to feel that? Chances are it will dissipate like harmless energy. Imagine the power of making space for such uncomfortable emotions. You're teaching these people 
the art of living a human life. Wow. Point of this exercise is when you imagine yourself in these scenarios ahead of time, you're building mental muscles that you can then use in real case scenarios. So you're welcome to do this exercise in your imagination as frequently as you'd like. We've talked about this in my previous podcast, and we know from life in general that generosity benefits us first. Because when you're giving space to other people to feel the vibrations of their emotions, the first person you're giving that space to is yourself. Because you have to be okay with your discomfort so you don't react to the situation. This is the skill that our parents never taught us. Ethan Cross at the University of Michigan and Jason Mazar at Michigan State University study how brains respond to self-talk. They say, try to address yourself in a third person rather than the first. This way, they found more emotional response and higher brain activity when people were talking to themselves as a third person, meaning they related to themselves as they related to others. This is a way to be more empathic towards yourself. Because often, as women, we find it easier to be in service of others. We find it easier to show up for others and hold safe space for them. But we find it hard to do it for ourselves. Why does this happen, you think? Mostly because it's easier for us to imagine that we're holding space for someone else's emotions out of generosity, empathy, and kindness. And because we love them, we want to do it for them. Partly, it might be because as girls, we are programmed from a young age that our worth comes from serving others. So in this case, we use that pre-programming to our advantage. (laughs) This is a little biohack for you. This is why I asked you to do this third-person exercise with a loved one. Even if you're just imagining it, it rewires your brain to be in acceptance of your own emotions. This will eventually lead to a higher relationship satisfaction. Super cool trick if you ask me. Do this over and over again for this rewiring to happen. In the book, Dr. Brackett also says, we need to be emotional scientists, checking with ourselves from time to time to see how we're feeling to recognize our emotions and not to judge ourselves for having them. For a lot of us, the sentences would sound like, why did I wake up anxious again? Why do I keep getting upset at this? Are you anxious? Are you upset? Then why question it? (laughs) If that's the reality, then questioning the reality will only leave you more confused, not less. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Hamlet. Unconditional support comes from permission to feel and not from thinking something has gone wrong. If you're anxious about your anxiety or upset about your upset, now you've doubled the problem. Giving other permissions to feel around you will teach you permission to feel your own feelings. Label an emotion and leave it there. When we focus on serving our children and protecting them from a place of clear-headed, fierce force of love, then we do not have anxieties about ourselves, and we do not have fears about losing them. Fear of losing them will make you lose the moment you have with them now. Give space for them to be sad and broken. Resist the temptation to pick up the pieces and put them back together. If you have a strong empathizing power, then chances are you're able to feel other people's emotions better than you're able to do that for yourself. But turn that power inwards and empathize with yourself. If you feel sad and broken, let it be. That is an extraordinary gift of service. And contrary to popular belief, this approach actually shortens the time you live in the negative emotion. 
once you've given an open invitation for any emotion to be present, you will see that it will dissipate a lot quicker. Compared to if you constantly judged it for being there, if you constantly wished it wasn't there, if you constantly suppress it, it will resurface stronger. It will keep bouncing back and dictate your life. If you keep pushing it down, it will come out sideways. When you judge your emotion, thinking that something's gone wrong, you've activated your primal fear-based brain. When you've accepted the emotion for what it is, you've switched to the effortless, clear-headed, serene, and content higher brain. That is the voice of your soul. And also, don't forget to give yourself permission to feel the best of emotions. Allow yourself excitement, pleasure, allow happiness, joy. How many times do we ruin an experience because we're uncomfortable with how much attention we're going to get? or how much happiness we're actually feeling. It all seems so unfamiliar. Most of us put an invisible limit on how much pleasure and happiness we can enjoy because we've never learned to simply allow it. Give yourself equal permission to feel the good and the bad and everything in between. In my household, we do a few exercises. I use an emotions chart where we can mark what we're feeling or occasionally we do exercises on characters on TV where we pause the scene and label what actor is feeling what emotion based on their facial expressions or their language. I didn't make up any of these exercises. I'm sure I read about them somewhere. I just can't remember where at this time. Use these or any other exercise to label and then permit your feelings. I am feeling uncomfortable because I'm afraid something serious might be going on with my daughter's eyes. This permission switches my fear-based brain off so that I can tap into the wiser self. From this place, I can make much more effective dua for her protection because I believe in the bounty of Allah. From this place, I can get her help she actually needs. Allah made our highest brain as a tool through which He manifests our duas. He has no need for this tool. He can create anything and everything from nothing. But it turns out we are in need of this tool to create a desired result. We are the ones who are dependent on this tool of our mind and emotions, not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With that, I pray to Allah that He gives us wisdom to permit our emotions, that He helps us understand the complex nature of a human being so we can then use it to serve our purposes, to serve Him with prayers and obedience rather than living a life of fear and judgment of our own reality. I pray for all of you guys to have capacity for all of your emotions because that truly is the currency to success in the world. Please keep me in your du'as. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please leave me a review on iTunes or other platforms. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem. regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.